Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Awesome. So open up to Psalms 89. Realize the word is the reason why we come. Uh, Praise and worship is wonderful. It opens our heart. It gives us a chance to prepare ourselves for the word. But can I tell you, the word of God is what makes a difference in our life. Amen? God's word works. Our life needs to be founded on the word, shaped by the word, led by the word, directed by the word, corrected by the word. Amen? In fact, it's so important to understand how important the word is that the Bible says that let heaven and earth pass away, one thing will remain, and that's my word. So a great emphasis on the word of God. So come prepared for the word when you come to church here. Psalms 89 really is our foundational scripture through the course of the series. We're in a series called Unbroken. This is the fourth installment. We have a few more to go. Uh, But the fourth installment in Unbroken, and really the whole premise of this is how do you live unbroken in a broken world? Because we all know that the world is full of brokenness. It's just the way it is. God did not create it that way. God created it unbroken. Sin came in through man, but God made a way for us to find a life that is unbroken. And it's based on the principles of his word and the work of Jesus on the cross. Amen? So he provided a way for you and I to either protect that which is unbroken or to find repair and restoration to that which is broken. And that is through Jesus and a relationship with him and through his word. So that's what we're doing in the course of this series. So I I think that the greatest source of our brokenness in life is our relationships. I just, I believe that to be true. The people I talk to and, and, and just the things that I see and observe, I, I think relationships perhaps are 90% of the brokenness in our life and <clears throat> there's just a struggle there. And there's such an attack on relationships as a whole. Um, and so we see in the scripture, God has a plan for relationship. He has a, a standard that he set. He has a, a divine design, if you will, um, for relationships for you and I to engage in. And so, um, you know, you look around your life, uh, brokenness in our relationships come in our marriages, it comes in our relationships with our friends, it comes in our families, and it comes in our relationship with God. But God has a better way. God's way is always better, amen? So God, as we've been studying, has a principle in the word where we can take the brokenness in our relationships in life and find repair, restoration, and then protection around them, and the word is called covenant. And so we've been studying that word throughout the course of the series, and covenant is a standard that God sets for relationships. It's the highest level of relationship that there possibly can be, and we're making the case that the relationships that we can elevate, there's relationships rather in our life that we need to elevate to covenant status for those to be unbroken, and those are the things that we need to walk out. And so uh, this morning, I want to let you know, and so you can prepare your heart, we are, as I said last week in promoting it, we are looking at the area of our lives concerning marriage. Now, if you're not married, don't check out on me. You, it's important to understand this. You can help other people. You can have a vision for it for your marriage one day or whatever that looks like. And let me also say this. If you've been married and you've had struggle and challenges, hurts, heartbreaks, brokenness in that, there is no condemnation that comes from this pulpit, amen? It is, if you're feeling any condemnation this morning, it'll be from the devil and don't listen to him. God is a God of grace and mercy, amen? He's a, he's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of let the past be the past, let's start today and move forward into a better future, amen? He's a God not of hurt but of hope. And so I wanna share that with you this morning. And then besides that, I've told the ushers to lock the doors. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, so, um, I wanted you guys to know that. So this morning, my heart, my hope is that we hear the truth of God's word and we apply it to our life to reap the benefit and blessing of God's word, amen? And find the healing and restoration that God brings in that, in this truth. Uh, In fact, the Bible says no matter how hard the truth can be at times, the truth will set you free. 
So you should find some freedom stuff in there. So let's start by today as we look at Psalms uh, 89, 34, as I said already. Uh, God's entered into a covenant with us through Jesus. And he did that relationally. Covenant's a relationship uh, term. And so he did that to the highest level there could be. And he paid the highest price for it. In fact, in Hebrew, if you look at the word covenant, it literally means to cut until there's blood, which means that there is a bond, there is a commitment greater than any other because the price is blood. And we know that God entered into a covenant with us through the shed blood of Jesus. He, he paid the highest price for a relationship with you and I, my, his son coming and dying and shedding blood for you and I. So here's what he says, I will not break my covenant. How many guys know that God always keeps his word? So if God says he's not going to break his covenant with you, he's not going to break his relationship with you. In fact, he's held you to the highest standard or he's, he's given you the highest opportunity to have relationship and he's not going to go back on that. In fact, he says this, I'll not take back a single word I said about being in a covenant relationship with me. I'm not going to change that. It's not going to be any different. I'm in it. I'm committed to the highest level possible. I will not break it. I will never take it back. No matter how you live your life, I'm not taking it back. How many guys this week, don't raise your hand. How many this week gave them a reason to take it back? <laughs> don't raise your hand. Just saying, are you talking like since I've been here at church? Because I've been pretty good then, right now. But on the way, there was this guy that cut me off. But anyway, so, you know, it's the highest level possible. And God always keeps his word. So what he's looking for you and I to do is find the principles in his word to elevate relationships in our life to covenant level. In fact, and let me say this, the covenant relationship we have with God is really the example that we need to follow in all our relationships. In fact, when you look in the scripture, as we will this morning, the marriage relationship is the relationship God chose to illustrate his heart, love, desire for you and I relationally. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is our groom and we are, at the church, are the bride. And so you'll see this at the end of the message today, a beautiful picture of God's desire relationally for you and I. He is the groom, we is the church. And so if we'll follow these principles, then we can manage our life in a better way, uh, not a worldly way, but a godly way, which is always way better. The challenge is that God says that there's a covenant relationship to have, the world says something different. And we hear so much about the world and we get infiltrated with our belief system. And, and so can I tell you, if there's ever an area that's under attack in the world today, it's marriages. And it's because they're so powerful if, they're, if, if you can walk those out in a godly way. And so the devil doesn't want anybody to have a covenant marriage. He doesn't want anybody to have a covenant anything. And so he's fighting us all the time for that. And so the world is not following necessarily God's ways. And so it, it, it's kind of orienting us to the worldly way. And we need to recognize that so we don't fall into that trap. Or if we're there, we can get out and get into God's plan and purpose for our heart and our lives. So everybody say fresh start. Amen today. Let me tell you a little bit. Difference between the world's lay relationally is kind of convenience and contract and God's is covenant. So thinking about marriage contracts, doing a little bit of uh, research and getting ready for the message today. And I came across this story in the Huffington Post. And it says this, it's titled this, what if we started treating marriage more like con the contract that it is? This is a person's opinion. They, don't, they obviously do not follow the covenant plan. But here's their point of view, a little bit, an excerpt from that article. Again, titled, what if we started treating marriage more like the contract it is? The word contract is used to describe both marriage and business with one big difference. We go into marriage with a naive, yes, whatever, forever, love conquers all. Yet we enter our relationship with our cell phone companies with multi-page documents. We start a relationship with our mortgage holder with at least a 30-page document. People sign agreements with employers committing to binding arbitration and non-competition clauses, but we place our happiness in trust based on unspecified faith in love. 
I can't be the only one who thinks that maybe we need to put as much thought into the marriage contract as we do all the other contracts in our lives. It's, it's not a contract, right? Personally, I can't promise to live with someone till death do us part without some measure of unless involved conditions involved, right? It's the drawing the line in the sand. We're in this, and we know the traditional vows end till death do us part. And so, uh, but the reality is that's not necessarily how we see it or live it because we draw a line in the sand typically, or we can draw a line in the sand and says, we're good until you cross this. My point is the worldly's point of view contractually as one of selfishness. And it's more focused on protecting you and how you are. Understand the stark difference between covenant and contract is covenant, God's plan, is not about what you take or what you can get, it's about what you give. Amen? And so understand that because are you thankful that you are in a covenant relationship with God? Because God entered, thank you, mom, because God entered into, <laughs> God entered into a covenant relationship with you, not what he can take or not what he can get from you, but what he can give you. Aren't you glad? Because God can give us a lot. He got the short end of the stick, right? He takes all our bad and gives us all his good, and we take all his good and we give him all our bad. We don't, and it's like this idea of, that's the difference between covenant and contract. It's not what you can take or get out of it, it's what you give into it. And that's the different mindset between covenant and the world's contractual or convenience mindset. And so that's where we have to look in relationships, in particular the marriage relationship. And again, we're talking about fresh start. Let me, let me say this about contract. Contract is this, we protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. We protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. And protecting our rights, honestly, we're trained that way because isn't that not the American way? Don't tread on my rights. Don't step on my rights. I'm protecting my rights. And probably it's because we've been hurt in the past. We just, we don't want to get hurt again. Real heart, real pain, I understand that. We don't want to get hurt again, so we protect ourselves. We give ourselves an out. But covenant says this, we give up our rights and pick up our responsibilities. So we give up our rights and pick up our responsibilities. We give up something and we pick up something. And so keep that in mind. We're gonna look at two passages of scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. One, um, the, the first one we're gonna look at is in Genesis. You can turn there, Genesis 2. And we're gonna take a look at the first marriage ever. You realize God created marriage? Man didn't create marriage. That's interesting, isn't it? So how can man redefine it? God created marriage with an original thought and plan for it to operate best. And so we're gonna look at God's created marriage. It's the first institution he created. We're gonna look at the first married couple and get some principles there. And we're gonna look at some things um, out of that. And then we're gonna switch to a New Testament passage, probably the, the one that speaks the, the most directly to marriage, the most powerful passage of scripture on marriage in the New Testament. And we're gonna get some principles out of that as well. So let's take a look then at Genesis 2. And here's what it says. I'm gonna start reading in verse 21 through 25. It says, so the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Now understand this. Look at right here, we already see the covenant in action because in order to have covenant, blood is shed. And understand this, the covenant God entered into us was through the shed blood of Jesus, and the Bible says he paid the price, the blood price for everyone. So we don't have to sacrifice blood anymore, but we need to see things as blood relationships. So Jesus paid the price, but right here we see blood because it says that he took the rib from the side of man and then closed him up. So blood was shed, entering into a covenant, and it was closed up the place with flesh. We see that. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. 
She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That's why a man leaves, now listen, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And this is just kind of, almost kind of like a random thought thrown in there, but it has purpose and we'll talk about it later. And then Adam and Eve, his wife, were both naked and they felt no shame. Kind of an interesting add-on to what, you know, we're, we're reading already. And so we'll get back to that in a minute. But what I want to pull out of this passage of scripture, there's three things that we need to give up. Three things we need to give up in a covenant relationship or a covenant marriage. Number one is priority. No longer will I be the number one priority. No longer will I be the number one priority. I am no longer the number one priority when I enter into a covenant or marriage covenant. I'm establishing a new number one. And when I entered into the marriage covenant, I established a new number one, and that is just me. That's my wife. Now, the understood here is God. And if you want to back the, the creation story up, you'll read about God being the first relationship, the most important. After that, Covenant marriage says, I'm giving up the right to be number one, and I'm giving the right to be number one to my spouse, the one I'm entering into a covenant with. I'm giving Jessamine to be the right to be number one. Now, let's look at verse 24. Here's, let, me, let me show it to you in the scripture here. Listen to this. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, the relationship to that point in time in that day and in life until the marriage part is the number one priority relationship in life other than God is with your mother and father. So he's saying that we're leaving this priority relationship and entering into another relationship and now the spouse becomes the priority relationship in life. That's the marriage covenant, that I now give her the right to be the priority relationship in my life. Does that make sense? And so that's part of the covenant aspect. I give up the right to have top priority. And, and, and I'm, I'm giving that. I'm giving that to her. And remember that the covenant relationship is one of giving, not taking. I'm, I'm giving that to her, and she becomes that number one priority. Now, that's, we, get, we, we fall into some trouble sometimes because maybe it's still, we, we still haven't cut the cord, right? How do you say that, right? With your, with your per- parents. Or, or maybe uh, you, you've placed friendships above that spouse. Maybe, maybe you've placed your job. Maybe your job has been the number one priority, and we justify it a hundred ways, in a sense, in our own mind, but it's not in line with the covenant. And we, maybe we give it when, when we have children, and I have two teenage girls, 16 and 17, and even though my, I love my kids, they're wonderful, beautiful girls, and, but, but they're not the, the priority relationship in my life, they're not to be that. I know I have to take responsibility for them, but I heard Joe McGee, if you know Joe McGee, been here, he, he travels around, teaches on parenting, and he said this one time, he said that even when you have kids, your kids cannot, I mean, your home cannot be a child-centered home. It needs to be a marriage-centered home. And so if we get that mixed up and all of a sudden it's about the children, that's why later in life when kids leave the house, parents are like, I don't even know you anymore to your spouse. We have nothing in common anymore. That's why you see so many divorces later in life when they're empty nesters and you think, how, how did you make it this far? It's like, because kids were the sinner. And really the best thing you can do for your children is not to focus on them, but focus on your marriage staying strong. Focus on a covenant marriage so they can see the proper model in their home, amen? Because that's what they're gonna look at then and model after. So you give up the right to be the priority, the number one priority. And honestly, if we're looking at comparing with the, the covenant that we have with Jesus, he made, God made you and I the number one priority. For God so loved the world that he gave, amen? And he gave his son, pay the ultimate price. Why? Because you were the number one priority to God. 
And so we love that. We love that, and he's asking us to live that way as well with him. Now listen, God has made his number one, he made you and I his number one priority. He entered into a covenant through the blood of Jesus, so he expects to be our number one priority. Why? Because that's what he made you. And so when we enter into a marriage covenant with our spouse, our spouse should expect to be our number one priority. Why? Because that's what we expect to be of them. And so honestly, um, I've entered into a covenant with Jessamy where then she is elevated to that place of number one. Period. Whether I I think it should be that way or I think she deserves it or not. Why? Because it's a covenant. That's what covenant says. It's like you give up the priority to be number one. And so we elevate the spouse that way. <clears throat> I, you know, I, and let me say this. I, I love my kids. I, I love you guys. I love what I do here. I, I love what God's called my wife and I to do. I love coming here. I hate missing. I love being here and all the events and activities. But you know what? She's my number one priority. And that's the way a covenant works. That's the way a covenant works. So that's what we give up. We give up the right to be the number one priority. Number two, we give up ownership. Ownership. I give you the right to be co-owner and co-manager of everything in my life, everything in my life, every resource, every bit of time, everything I am. It's not that this is mine and that's yours and a covenant marriage, when I, when I get paid, she's not taking it from me, I'm giving it to her. You should be so lucky that you have such a good breadwinner. You know, I make good money here, and so I just, you, know, you, should be, you should be fortunate. We have a, I provide good for this home and, and you just tell me what you need and I'll get it for you. Well, that's, that's kind of, you hear some, some chuckles and stuff, it's kind of funny, but, but that's reality in a lot of places, in a lot of homes. Oh, this is your money, this is my, and then we're, we're talking covenant, not contract. And so there's, there's a co-ownership of everything. We're in it together. And covenant says one. We're, we're talking ownership, we're co-owners, we're in this together. And so it's not like, and so guys, let me say this, guys, because guys can do this, it's like, well, listen, I made this money, I'll do it, or I'll get it for you, or I'll take care of it, or you have it, or whatever. It's like, it doesn't work that way, guys. Sometimes we can come in and, and kind of hold that over our spouse, maybe. That's not how it works. It's not a covenant. It's not a covenant relationship. It's, not, it's more of contractual that way. We need to understand something. In Genesis 2, 24, here's what it says. That's why a man leaves father and mother and is, what's the next word? And is united to his wife, and they become one. Covenant says, we become one. There's not a way we're looking to get out or divide things here. Just in case this doesn't work out, let's be very clear. This is mine and that's yours. No, we're talking about a covenant relationship. We're talking about elevating our key relationships to covenant status. And this one, you know, I was a little hesitant on even putting this one in because I don't want it misunderstood. I don't want it misrepresented. And let me especially caution you men on this one, but I think it's important to understand. First Corinthians 7, 4, let's take a look. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yield it to the wife. Now keep in mind the spirit of covenant. It's not taking or demanding, it's giving. It's giving. Uh, so understand that, that I'm giving her all of who I am. I'm giving her all of who I am. It's not taking or forcefully demanding. So guys, it's, be careful with that one, because I think initially that first part Another translation says about, you know, a different way, but the wife does not have authority over her body, but yields it to her husband. I, I, I was expecting a big amen from some guy out there. Right? I was like, amen, I told you, honey, I told you, I told you. 
I'm gonna write that on the scripture, on the, that scripture on the mirror in the bathroom when you see it every day. It's not you're taking or demanding from them. That's not the spirit of covenant. It's you're giving yourself that way to your spouse. You, did you see that? It's a different, it's a different mindset than the world than what we learn in the world. Okay, these are tools to help you. So it's a different understanding uh, that we need to understand that. Uh, the secret to this principle and the proper application through covenant is not in what you demand, but in what you give away. Don't use that verse to say that that belongs to me. Doesn't matter how you feel, that belongs to me. I'm demanding it from you. Demanding it is contract. Giving it is covenant. All right, I'm gonna give you the last one. Uh, I'm giving up the right to, number three, privacy. Giving up the right to privacy. Listen, there's nothing to hide. There's no secrets. Not in a covenant. Look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. See what that says here, verse 25. Okay, here's what it says. Uh, that's why a man leaves his father and mother united to his wife. They become one flesh. Verse 25, Adam and his wife, and you thought this was kind of a random thought there. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Let me say this. Now, there's no doubt that they were physically naked. That's how God created them. But I don't believe this is what this is addressing in and of itself. I believe it says it this way. They were exposed hiding nothing. And the covenant relationship means you don't have secrets. Well, I have secrets, so just don't tell him that. She has her secrets, I have my secrets, and as long as we don't find those out, we're okay. And I tell you, that's not a covenant relationship. That's more contractual. That's more convenience. It's more comfortable. We're talking covenant relationship. Highest level God wants to live unbroken in a broken world is this. We have nothing to hide. We're exposed. And if you're in a covenant relationship, then you don't want secrets. You don't want to hide things. You want to make sure that everything's exposed. That's what I believe. Everything's exposed there. So you give up the right to privacy. Uh, when entering a covenant, you give up the right to privacy. When entering a contract, you hold on to it. They were completely exposed, nothing hidden. Look at what Jesus says, John 15, 15. Again, here's our example, Jesus. I no longer call you servants. I got those, I got angels, got all that in heaven. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you what I know you know. See, Jesus has a covenant with us that he honors telling us what, the, what he's learned from the father. No secrets, nothing exposed, unexposed right there, everything exposed. And so it's important. So in a covenant marriage, we have to give up being a priority, being a sole owner, and being private. For a covenant marriage, those three things we have to give up. So what do we pick up? We talked about giving up things and picking up responsibilities. I'm gonna give you three principles that we pick up. And we find this in probably the strongest passage on marriage in the New Testament, Ephesians 5. Let me read that, verse 21 through 33 for you, and then we'll talk about those three principles, what we pick up. We give up. Our priority rights, we give up our ownership rights, we give up our privacy, we pick these things up. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, let me read this and then let me unpack it for you, but just listen and take this in. It starts in 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, the body in which he's the savior. Keep in mind, this is a beautiful picture of the relationship between Jesus and you and I. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their very own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church for members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, here we go, he's quoting now Genesis 2, and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. For this is, profound, this is a profound mystery because most people don't understand it. They, they don't, can't figure it out so they're not walking in it. But I'm talking about Christ and the church, our model, our covenant relationship. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now, again, understanding covenant marriage is also a reflection of the covenant God has with you and I. That's how it functions. That's how it moves. That's how it operates. And we all love the fact that we're in a covenant relationship with Jesus. Now, we got some issues with this, though. So let's clear a little bit of it up. We've gave up three things. Now we're going to pick up three things. And the first one is this. We pick up out of this passage of scripture that we are to love unconditionally. We love unconditionally. Aren't you glad Jesus loves you unconditionally? Because if, our, if his love towards us was based on conditions, we would have broke those a hundred times this week. But he loves us unconditionally. Why? Because he's in a covenant with us. We all have given him reason to walk away. Those that have a relationship, we've all given him reason to walk away just this week alone. But he loves unconditionally. And let me say this, and I want you to hear this. I don't believe it's love if it's conditional. Can love really be conditional? I don't think so. I don't think so. So we love unconditionally. Covenant love is unconditional love, no matter what, no matter what. Um, It's easy to love someone when they're lovely and lovable, isn't it? It's easy. But what about when they're not? I choose to love you according to the standard of Christ's love for me. And how much did he love me? Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates, key word, he demonstrates, it's what he does. He demonstrates his love for you and I in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that because he didn't wait till we were lovely and lovable to love us. He loved us when we were unlovely and unlovable, and yet he still paid the ultimate price to enter into a covenant with you. That's awesome, unconditional love of the Father. That's good news. When we were unlovely and unlovable sinners, Christ died for us. People can love people when they love them back, but can you love them when they don't? Can you love them when, you're, when, they're, when they are a sinner? A covenant means you still love them unconditionally. He didn't wait for us to get lovely and lovable. Thank God he does not give up on us, amen? We need to pick up the responsibility to love according to the standard of Christ's love. And that might seem impossible to you, but can I say this? It is to you, but with God, all things are possible. Or in a godly covenant, you can love with covenant love. Unconditional love is not based on what you do, but the covenant you've entered into. He does not give up on you. He'll never leave you, forsake you. You don't have to turn there, but 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. I love that. It doesn't matter. A contract is conditional. If you don't fulfill your part, I'm released from this contract. Malachi 2.16, this was kind of a scripture we've used throughout the course of the series too. I think in what we've already shared and a lot of what we shared, I think it gives us a, a, a clearer picture of this particular scripture, which can kind of seem kind of hard, but I want you to hear the heart behind it because it's the spirit of covenant 
He says this, the man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard, do not be unfaithful. Do not be unfaithful to the covenant. Now the covenant spirit or meaning behind the scripture now becomes even clearer through the context of what we just discussed. But understand something, here's a reason why God does not like divorce. It's because someone's hurting someone else. God doesn't want people to hurt people. He doesn't want his kids to hurt his kids. So he hates the things that hurt them. Now, let me say this because I know this is a hard one here this morning. Don't you hear the heart behind it? I know there are grounds. I know there are biblical grounds for divorce. But understand, God wants us to walk out a covenant relationship. But sometimes someone won't make that possible. I understand that. But listen, he wants it to work if it's at all possible. And he says, when the going gets tough, the tough don't get going. The tough draw closer. The tough draw closer together. That the, the things that, that, that cause hurt and pain shouldn't divide us. In fact, when that person that hurts us needs us the most, it's not the time to drift away or get away. This way says, let's, let's define relationships through covenant principles and keys. And, and, and again, I, I know this is not just, it takes faith for sure. It's, it's not just a step of faith. It's a leap of faith. But again, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Let me give you number two. Pick up number two. We need to pick up honor respectfully. We need to honor respectfully. And this is missing from our homes. This is missing from our lives. We're raising generations of young men that don't know what it means, don't know how to respect women. And we have young women that don't know how to honor men. That's just the reality of it all because we've slipped into the relational mindset of this world which is, is, is more selfish. It's more looking for a way out. It's more about me. It's about taking instead of giving and, and we're losing generations in doing that, men and women. And so it's missing from our home and we have to get the respect back in our homes. Uh, there's a devaluing of people today and I, I said this, I've used this before, kind of a silly illustration but I think it proves the point. Uh, driving one day and, and uh, somebody cut me off and I just, I got really uh, angry with them and, um, and I repented afterwards, I just want you to know. And so I got really angry with them and my, my word in that is like, man, you knucklehead, that's my, that's my, you knucklehead. And God checked me one day and said, hey, that's my knucklehead. <laughs> and I said, well, could you do something with him because he needs to get off the road. <laughs> Come on, Lord. Call fire down from heaven. The point is, God's creation, he loves. That was God's person. So, and I may not, feel like honoring somebody. I may not feel like somebody's worthy of honor, but can I tell you, they're God's, and therefore I can honor what God's created. I may not feel like a particular individual is worthy of honor, but can I tell you, I can honor the God who created them, I can honor the God in them, and so we've missed something somewhere, and it's because we've gotten off this idea of honor and respect and we need to pick that back up. And in fact, in this passage of scripture, Ephesians 5, it says this. And let me just say, when honor, honor means I put value on them, even when they don't seem honorable or valuable. Ephesians 5 says this, that to make her holy. In our text, it said to make her holy. That doesn't mean perfect. Holy does not mean perfect. We think it does, but it does not. Holy in the Greek means to set apart as special. So holy means to set apart as special, not perfect. You see them that way. You see them special. You see them set apart or holy, special. That's what it's talking about. That's how you view them. So 1 Peter 3, 5 through 6, how does that look then? 
For this is the way, listen to this, this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. And it's not talking about, another translation talks about their life. It's not talking about necessarily their physical look. And it talks about beautiful. It talks about their life. Their life is beautiful. How is their life beautiful? What makes their life beautiful? Well, here it is. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. What he's saying is they honored And honor brings beauty into your life. What you give away, there's something that you reap. They may not even deserve it. In fact, it goes on to tell us what does that mean. Like, like give me an example. What goes on to say this then? The next verse. Like Sarah, Sarah being married to Abraham, Abraham being known as the father of faith. Abraham, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Now that sounds a little kind of uppity or whatever, but understand, Abraham wasn't always a good guy. In fact, when he was even uh, walking things out with the Lord, the Bible says the Lord led him to a place and then uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh came. Abraham feared for his life. So so Sarah was a beautiful woman. So the Pharaoh wanted Sarah and Abraham was afraid he would kill him and all Abraham's people to take Sarah. So Abraham lied that Sarah was his wife and said it was his sister. Go ahead. It's just my sister. You can have her. You're a great husband, Abraham. (laughs) All right. But listen, but listen, look at what Sarah does though. Sarah does this. Sarah calls him not liar. Liar, you big fat liar. She didn't call him based on what he was doing. She called him on what he was to be. She talked to him on what God created him to be. She knew what he could be. She knew what God had set forth for him to be. And she didn't call him liar. She called him Lord. She called him leader. She called him deliverer. She spoke to Abraham's life with honor and respect onto what he was and could become. And Abraham's our father of faith. And I think partly because of the words of his wife. Because of honor. Boy, there's a powerful principle right there. Honor. And then it goes on to say this. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. And it goes on to this next verse. So husbands, in the same way, in the same way as Sarah, just like Sarah did, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now listen, that doesn't mean, that's not a negative. Ladies today, I think we've kind of, men's kind of created that culture. Ladies today think that that's a negative. Listen, God created men differently for a reason. Physically, strength, all that kind of thing, for a reason. To support, to protect, all that kind of stuff. That's not a negative to a lady. But listen to me, men, don't abuse that. You're not to rule the house then as well, I'm bigger and stronger than you, and I'm gonna intimidate you to do, and the kids to do what I want. That's not a covenant man, that's a bully. Bullies don't walk in covenant. You're not there to be a bully. You're there to be a covenant man. You're not using your strength, your size that God gave you to dominate over your spouse. That's not covenant. It's not that at all. It's how God created and intended it. And he goes on to say this, and here's why. Because they're heirs with you. They're, they're, you're the weaker, the weaker partner, but partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Listen, listen to this. He says that you are to treat them with respect and not to be a bully. Why? Because they're your partner. Why? Because they're heirs with you, the gracious gift of life. You know what that word heir means? It means that they belong to somebody above them. They belong to somebody else. So really what that means, they're heirs of the gift of life. They're heirs of God, or in other words, they're God's daughters. They're God's princess. You are to respect them because they are the princess of God. 
Can I tell you? They are the princesses of almighty God, heirs to what God has in Jesus' name, amen? So we need to respect God's princess. That's just not some person that you agree or don't agree with that you're bigger than or you think you're smarter than. That's God's princess, and they deserve the respect of our heavenly father. Oh, we don't have a problem giving God respect, but why do we have a problem in giving God's princesses respect? That's covenant. And let me, think, let me tell you how important that is. Because if you don't, it says your prayers will be hindered. Can I tell you, probably a lot of us today, we're praying for things, we don't understand why God's not moving, we don't know what's going on, and I'm praying for this and I'm praying for that. Can I just tell you, probably a lot of the reason why our prayers are not maybe working is because God's not listening because we're not walking and giving the respect we should. Well, I got this scripture to stand on and I'm praying every day and I'm praying in tongues and I'm going up front and have the altar team pray for me and stuff. Can I tell you, if you're not walking your relationships out in respect, God's not listening. Well, come on, Pastor Don. No, no, no. Come on, Bible. Come on, 1 Peter 3, 7. Are you reading the same scripture I'm reading? Come on. All right. That's not me. That's Bible. So maybe, just maybe, we get more in line with a covenant relationship and we start honoring God's princesses and respecting him in our homes, gentlemen, a little bit more, then it'll open up and we'll get the ear of God. And our prayers will be heard and he'll move. That's covenant. It's a covenant. It's a covenant relationship. Heirs of God. We need to show honor and respect. And number three, I'm over time, but let me get this in. Pick up, we pick up the responsibility, number three, to submit mutually. Sub, submit mutually. And that's, that's a tough word. Right, submit, and, and it shouldn't be. It's a Bible word. It's a good word. And remember the relationship picture. Jesus was to submit to Jesus. I, I, I did a wedding several years ago, and, and the, the couple, and we were going over the wedding ceremony. And she said, I, "I don't, I don't want you to use this part." And I use this in Ephesians. I don't want you to use this part because I don't want to say submit, or I want that word submit. And I said, "Well, I'll, I said I'll, I'll do what you want to do to a point, but listen, number one, you don't understand the meaning of the word submit." in context with the passage of scripture, because who doesn't want to submit to Jesus? Because that's the way it spoke. And number two, I can take it out of the ceremony, but you still need to follow it. It doesn't make it not true. Here's what it says, Ephesians 5.21 says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you go back and read that whole passage again. Everything in that passage talks about submitting to Jesus, submitting to the man who's supposed to be Christ-like, submitting to the one who's supposed to love you like Jesus loves, submitting to the one who's supposed to lay his life down for you. The word submit, again, in the whole spirit of covenant is giving. And in fact, a lot of times I use that in my ceremony, instead of submit, instead of saying, will you submit to them, I say, will you give yourself to them? And this is literally what it means. And keep the picture, covenant picture, Jesus in the church. And not, not, no one in here probably, well, I don't know, most of us in here probably would not have a problem giving ourselves to Jesus as we trust him because he gave himself for us. That's a covenant marriage. Can I just say as we close, it might be a little hard this morning. I, I didn't mean it that way. I hope, you heard, I hope you heard the heart and spirit behind it. But can I say this? The word works. The word you like and the word you don't like. The word that's easy and the word that's hard. The word works. And can I say this? The Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. 
God will honor his word. Amen. You know, in this picture and trying to give you tools for a covenant marriage is also a picture, as I said, our relationship with Jesus. It's a picture of Christianity. He needs to be the priority in your life. If he's not number one, he needs to be number one. He made you number one. We need to give him ownership because his ways are higher than our ways. And he has so much good for our lives. There's nothing hidden from him, so don't run from him, don't hide from him. He sees it all, he knows it all. There's nothing hidden from him. We need to respond to his unconditional love by loving him back. He first loved us, and he is unconditional love. He'll never leave us or forsake us. We we need to honor him and what we say and what we do, and, and when we lift our hands in worship and we come and we participate in the things of God, that's why we honor him, and then we submit everything we have to him. You just don't have him as a Sunday God. You have him as a Sunday to Sunday God. It just doesn't work when you're here. You need to give him everything out there. He's a good and faithful God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today in looking at the marriage covenant was to give us tools that needed to live an unbroken marriage in a broken world, despite what our past is, despite what our hurts are. I know God is a big God. He'll give us a fresh start. We'll start new today. My hope is that we start new today. Let the past be the past. My other hope was that you would see through the relationship that Jesus wants, God wants with us through Jesus. You'll see the beauty of that, that he wants to be our number one priority because he's made you number one. We need to respond to his unconditional love. If you're here this morning and you've not, you cannot remember a moment in time that you responded to his love by asking him to come into your heart, your life. Maybe you think you did, you're not sure, you want to be sure, then today is your day to respond and enter into that covenant with Jesus. It's the greatest thing that you ever could do. So on the chance there's even one this morning that would say, you know what, pastor, that's me. I don't want to respond to his invitation I want to respond to his unconditional love. I want to respond to him making me a priority. I want to give my heart to him. I'm going to pray a commitment prayer in just a moment. Not going to have anybody stand up. Not going to have anybody come up front. But if that's you and you would say, Pastor, could you include me in that commitment prayer? Because you just let me see your hand this morning. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Most importantly, God sees your hand. Who else this morning? Anybody else this morning? Don't miss your opportunity. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you on the side. God bless you. Thank you. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, Pastor? Yeah, you just keep raising them. Thank you. I saw that. God bless you. I'm proud of you. I prayed that prayer, but it seems like he's a million miles away. Let me encourage you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. We need to get back on track sometimes. We get off course with the things of God. Just a course adjustment's what we need. We might say rededicate, recommit. If that's you and you'd say, Pastor, could you include me in that commitment prayer? I need to make a course adjustment or rededicate or recommit. Let me see your hand as well. Thank you for those hands. Hands all over, hands all over. Thank you, thank you. Everyone put your hands down, heads up. Just for a moment, as I said, we're gonna pray this commitment prayer. The power in the prayer is attaching your heart to it. When you attach your heart to it, God does what only he can do. Change and transform you from the inside out. So whether you raise your hand or not this morning, I wanna ask all of you, Let's pray this prayer together. Maybe it's for us the first time. Maybe it's a rededication. Let's pray in support of other people. So let's pray this prayer. Attach our heart to it. Let's let God be God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. Sent to the earth to die on a cross to pay for my sin and go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin. Thank you for rising again 
so I can be free. So Jesus, I invite you now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior and Lord now and forever. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's a good and faithful God. Amen. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a covenant God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.